to the Huskies and the Pros podcast, as I am Brian Dostler here for yet another episode. And I'm not going to lie, I was not expecting to be recording a, a podcast today. As those of you that listen to the show, you know, I usually record on Sundays. Just was super tired. Uh, just been, I, I announced for the University of St. Joe's mental women's basketball teams, and they've had a lot of games recently, and they got a lot of games up this upcoming week for the GNAC tournament. So I've been preparing for that. So I didn't think I was going to do a podcast this week. I didn't do it last week because, again, I, I record on Sundays. But being the Super Bowl, obviously I was watching the Super Bowl, so I kind of just put a watch to that. But once we got news that Kevin Alley was named the interim head coach for the Brooklyn Nets, I got home from work and I was like, yeah, let's, I got to talk. Let's, <laughs> let's record something. So we're going to have our, our weekly podcast here. So we're just going to miss by about a week. So it's gonna it's a jam packed show. Obviously, we've got a lot to catch up up catch up with. Book Knight waves by the Hornets. Hawkins playing the Rising All Star game, but also talking about his minutes and what what it's mean and it's it's frustrating. Adama Sunogo, he got a chance to play in the G League All Star game, but of course, let's start with Kevin Ali, who today, as recording Monday, February nineteenth, he was named the interim Brooklyn Nets head coach. This is after the Nets decided to fire Jock Vaughn, who was their previous head coach, and they promoted KO from assistant to head coach. Vaughn, who was there for a couple seasons, he was also an intern. That that label got taken off of him a few years back. It comes just a few days after the Nets lost by 50 to the Celtics. And it's a struggling Nets team right now. They're 21 and 33. They're a game and a half out of the 10 seed in the Eastern Conference at the moment. And but this Nets team over the last five, six years has just gone through a lot. Um, it really, I mean, I guess even 10 years if you go back to the KG Paul Pierce trade. But you know, they had Durant, they had Irving, they had Harden, and they blow it up. They get Ben Simmons, they add Mikel Bridges in trades and. Uh, they've been kind of throwing a lot of things up at the wall and nothing has really stuck. Nothing has really gone well for the Nets, but it feels like it's a long time coming. I know this might be a bittersweet topic for some Husky fans. Right before the podcast, I tweeted out a poll of how people feel about this trade, or excuse me, about this signing, about KO being there. And so far, um, so far, 26 votes in just seven minutes and 62% of you believe that that believe that you are happy and want him to succeed. And I hope that's, that's the biggest thing that comes away with this for Husky fans is we want KO to succeed. Obviously things didn't end well. I'll say this up front. I'm a KO defender. Uh, he won a national championship for this Huskies team. And yes, he did it with a bunch of Calhoun players, but he also got to meet a Brima and we all know that, if he if a, if Brian doesn't get that and one against St. Joseph's and makes the free throw, then we may not have a national championship in 2014. 
lot, you know, lots to be thankful for for winning a national championship. That's what that's how programs are defined, and and Kevin Ollie did that. Obviously, of course, playing for UConn, played 13 years in in the NBA, and uh, it's Woj was tweeting earlier that Kevin Ollie is going to run practice on Tuesday, which will be their first post All Star break practice, and he will coach the Nets' first game post the All Star break on Thursday. That will be the second game of a five game road trip. Uh, against the Raptors. Ollie's got a chance. He's got a 28-game sample here to make an impact for this Nets team. As I mentioned, they're a game and a half out of the 10 seed, so they, they're they obviously in well-striking distance for the play-in. And as he knows, if you he was a seven seed in the tournament in 2014, you just got to get into the dance and who knows what can happen. Uh, but this is a team that just has been struggling offensively, defensively, and apparently – the Nets kind of the players pushed Vaughn out. Here's a here's a quote from a a report from Shams from Monday, February nineteenth. Quote: Multiple players, including Spencer Dinwiddie, who has now departed, and Mikal Bridges, were pretty vocal behind the scenes for months now about how the offense was running. They felt like a lot of what Vaughn was running was being run improperly without structure. Vaughn came into the year and said, we're going to run a free-for-all offense. And the team, from what I gather, has been bonded on the fact that developing a hierarchy was important. And when they went to training camp, a lot of their offense was built around, get this, Ben Simmons and him playing at the one and him playing at a high level for them. Ben Simmons has not been in the lineup pretty really at all, just a handful of games for the Nets this season. But they didn't like the offensive flow. And, you know, I will say, I see we're going to run a free-for-all offense. At times, it did seem like that's how uh, Kevin Alley ran his offense. So he's going to have to build some structure for this Nets team, who are ranked 21st in points per game at 113. They're 27th in field goal percentage at 46%, and 16th in three-point field goal percentage at 36.8. So those are the bigger offensive numbers. Anywhere from average to below average to not good uh, at the field goal percentage, being 27th in the NBA in that. Um, and one player I think that's that's key in all this is their best player is Mikal Bridges. Let's let's not make you know make this harder than it has to be. He's got to get Mikal Bridges going. When Bridges came over in a trade from the Suns last year, he averaged 26 points a game in, in 27 games with Brooklyn. This season, averaging just 21.7 points per game in 54 games. Coming into the year, Bridges, one of those guys where believes he could make that next step into superstardom, was obviously a, a huge critical player for the Suns, a, a luxury at that with what they had over there in Phoenix, and has a chance to be a star in Brooklyn. And I think the Villanova star, Mikal Bridges, is a critical point for – Kevin Ollie, if he succeeds, if he gets back up to perhaps 26, 27 points a game, gets this offense flowing, gets more structure behind it. You know, I, I obviously I hope Kevin Ollie reads these quotes or understands why things didn't go right for Jack Vaughn or Jacques Vaughn, excuse me, Jacques, Jacques Vaughn, um, and take that and put it in place into his first practice on Tuesday. So we'll see. Uh, of course, KO, he was a coach in the Overtime Elite League, and um, he was a finalist for the Pistons job this past offseason. So 
Obviously, we heard all those rumors when he was at UConn, especially after they won the national championship in 2014. He was in he was in the running for the Lakers job after Mike D'Antoni was fired. It was it was KO, it was Calipari, it was Tom Thibodeau uh, that were all in the running. Byron Scott ended up getting the job there for the Lakers, but that was I mean the Lakers were considering at a time when Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James were were free agents, possible free agents that offseason. And, you know, one thing back in the time when KO, you know, when when it was a unanimous decision that Husky fans wanted to keep him in stores, one thing that people were afraid of was that his, his relationships with, with players was seemed to be better than others. As, a, as, you know, someone that played 13 years, really was just on teams just to be a veteran leader, to be, to be another coach on the floor, if you will, or just to have that locker room uh, presence. Uh, he had a great relationship with Kevin Durant. That's been well-documented. You know, this is a big upcoming offseason for the Brooklyn Nets. So that's also part of why, you know, same thing, that the Nets first off hired him. First off, the, the fact that, the Pist- that he was a top three finalist for the Pistons uh, job, but he seems to still have good relationships with players in the NBA. And you look at the upcoming free agency this offseason, LeBron James, but he has a player option. Paul George, he also has a player option, but some unrestricted free agents. And there's some big names, Clay Thompson, Tobias Harris, James Harden, Pascal Siakam, Drew Holiday. Those are all perennial all-stars on that list. And who knows? I mean, again, 28 games where he needs to work, where Kevin Alley needs to make an impression. They're right there for a possible playoff spot. And he has a chance. This is, this is his first chance here in the NBA to, to make an impact. Uh, it was pretty cool. Right before I started recording, I saw Rudy Gay. He approved a stamp of approval for this one, for this hire. He's excited to see Kevin Alley on the bench. And just a reminder that we're that we have a chance to watch most of us, anyways, here on the East Coast. We have a chance to watch almost all of these Nets games because they're going to be on Yes. I would assume most of you listening hopefully have uh, the Yes Network, so to get get a chance on the sideline. And I was thinking about this: like, do I include him on my on my daily uh, re- recap tweets and 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 Huskies to watch? And I think I will. I think just having the daily. Um, or the, I guess just whenever he plays that tally of his record, um, and maybe we're there on the standings. I don't know. That's, this has never happened before. So, uh, I'll, I'll kind of figure it out and feel it out. Maybe take a couple games and, and see, see what I like, see what I don't like. Uh, but he's thrown in a position where he has a chance to lead to a team to a playoff spot. And if, if this, if the Nets can be a Cinderella team and, you know, make some noise and get into the playoffs. Who knows what happens for for Kevin Alley, but uh, overall, I'm I'm very happy for him. I'm excited that he is having this opportunity, and uh, I hope he succeeds in Brooklyn. I'm going to be rooting for Kevin Alley in uh, for the for the Brooklyn Nets. That's for sure. Shifting back to the All Star Weekend, Adama Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins. They were both in Indianapolis this past week. Uh, first, Hawkins he participated in the Rising All Star Game. That was this past Friday. He did that for Team Jalen, beating Jalen Rose. And in the game, he did play. He did play. Seven points, three for five from the field, one for two from three, five rebounds, two assists in 10 minutes and 28 seconds. Those 10 and a half minutes were the second most on the team. At one point, 
Jalen Rose, who was mic'd up during the game, said that Hawk has the potential to be playing on Sunday, in this case meaning on the All-Star game on Sunday. And um, But that all maybe might depend on Willie Green. I, it's, I thought I, – I really did. I, I might have been the last pod uh, because I took uh, last week off again. But I, I sat here confidently and said he's in the rotation because for about four or five games, all the starters were back, all, all the bench guys were there. Like the Pelicans roster w- was there and Hawkins was playing. He was getting 20, 22, 25 minutes. And I will say in those four or five games, he wasn't shooting his best, but not certainly what could be a worse. Um, but heading into the all-star break, two healthy, two straight healthy DMPs. He hasn't played more than 20 minutes in a game since late January. And just take a listen to these to, to these press conference bites and prepare to be triggered a little bit. This is the same press conference. This is before the all-star break. First, this is Willie Green on – being asked about Jordan Hawkins playing the Rising All-Star game. It's a huge measuring stick moment for him. Um, it's, a, it's a huge accomplishment to be one of the elite first, second-year basketball players in the NBA. And a lot of those guys that play in that game, they go on and become All-NBA, All-Defense, All-Stars you know, all and help their franchises win. So I'm sure he's extremely excited. Okay, that's cool. That makes sense. Obviously, players that are in this game, they have the high, a potential high ceiling. They could be future all-stars. They could be future all-NBA players. That makes sense. However, in the same press conference, little context here, Dyson Daniels was, was recently marked out indefinitely with a torn meniscus, so he's going to be sidelined for quite some time. He's a guard. He's a, a guy that's been ahead of Hawkins in the depth chart. So you would think that Hawkins would just slide up in the depth chart, maybe get some meaningful minutes coming up. Hawkins is filled in as a starter when there has been injuries in the past this season. But no, Willie Green decided to go in a different direction. It'll tighten our rotations up a little bit. Um, You know, more playing time for Najee Trey and Jose right now, Larry. And um, we'll kind of play it by ear from there. But it just means that everyone has to step up. Make it make sense. Zero mention of Jordan Hawkins and getting more minutes. None. The guys, the guys put up a couple thirty-point games for you. He's he's won you some games with the three-point shoot, shooting ability. The Pelicans Twitter account. <laughs> I mean, UConn Twitter was going at him, and, and Pelicans as well, just tweeting out like his best highlights from the first half before the Rising Stars game, and then just tweeting out his plays from the game and saying, play him, play him, free Hawk, free Hawk. It's obviously not the Twitter account's fault. It has nothing to do with Willie Green and the head coach and the, and the coaching staff's decision-making, but it just really makes you think. It just really makes you scratch your head. And the, what also to scratch your head is that the Pelicans said nothing of the trade deadline. Daniels was, before he got hurt, because he got hurt after the deadline, I believe, he was a player that, that the Pelicans were, were considering trading away. I mean, look, they the Pelicans are a good squad. They are very deep. That's why Hawkins is on the bench. Um, and I think they have a real chance to make a, an impact uh, and make a, a, a solid run in the postseason. But it's it's weird. It's like they have too much depth. and But, like, they didn't really utilize that to get another star or just, or just to have a, a bigger impact player for their rosters and then maybe, you know, then you just allow Hawkins to play. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but 
but that was frustrating that the Pelicans did nothing at the deadline. There was rumors that they were going to, then they weren't. So like they were just, I mean, they're just unsure that it kind of feels like for them, they're, they have a good problem to have when you have all this depth. However, none of these guys have really played in the playoffs all that much. I mean, Valanciunas with the Grizzlies a little bit, McCollum with the Blazers for a few years, but Zion, nothing Ingram. I don't believe with the Lakers. So it's just, it's a really weird situation. Um, and kind of disappointed that they didn't make a deal. The Pelicans, their first uh, game after the all-star break, that's going to be on Thursday when they host the Rockets. We'll see what happens with, with Hawk there. Adama Sonogo, as I mentioned, he was in the G league next up all-star game. He filled in for the injured Ron Holland, who's a top 2024 NBA draft prospects who was injured, so he filled in for him. Snowgo only played four minutes, but this was a game where it was first 30, so it wasn't, I mean, I think eight minutes, like, led the the game for minutes. Adami didn't shoot, uh, didn't attempt a shot, but he, he did grab a rebound and had an assist to Colin Gillespie for a three-pointer. And just to give you a heads up on how the G League All-Stars were selected, so 28 players played in the game. This, of course, is before injuries, but 28 players are selected for the game. Ten are voted in by the fans, so maybe next year if there's another G League player, uh, have to do a better job with that. But ten voted by the fans, 18 by the G League, but eight of those 18 are from the G League Ignite and at least one player from the Indiana Mad Ants, which is the host city. So really it's just a pool of 19 players that have a chance. It's called the G League All-Star Game, so to go with the brand, to, to send – eight players automatically from the G League, Ignite, whatever. But that's partially, mainly, I guess, why. I mean, he was – I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know how many other guys were hurt that didn't play in or how many fill-ins. I don't know if Sonoko was the first, second, third guy to, to fill in for an injured player. But he was certainly at the top of the list. And had there not been a forced eight players to be in an all-star game, Sonogo would have been in there uh, in the first first try. Real quick, Andre Jackson, before we get to James Booknight, he's played, he played a small handful of minutes in a few games right before the All-Star break. Nothing huge, but not great news. Uh, the Bucks right before the break, this kind of snuck behind uh, – this almost snuck away from me, but the Bucks signed Danilo Gallinari uh, like the day before the All-Star break, and it's just another body. It's another guy on the roster, and the rookie that – Doc Rivers, he, he said when he first started coaching the, the Bucks, he said that we're going to need one or two rookies to step up for, for, for his team. He said one or two. And right now it's one. And right now it's not, Jane, it's not Andre Jackson. It's A.J. Green, the rookie out of Northern Iowa. In the month of February, he's shooting 41% from three. He had a game where he made seven threes. He went seven for eight. So he's shooting at a high volume, given his minutes, uh, which is around 10 to 15 minutes with Doc Rivers. So A.J. Green's been getting the bulk of those minutes because he can shoot the three. And it's like we almost wish that Hawkins and and Andre could switch places, given those facts. But that's the reality of it. To me, it would not surprise me if we saw Andre go to the G League this month. I obviously hope not, or, or, or at some point this season, I obviously hope not. But if he's not playing, I'd rather him get some run uh, down the G League than not play at all. So we'll see. It was nice to see that he was back in Hartford for the Marquette game a few days ago. Uh, but hopefully he has a chance to 
uh, make an impact at some point soon. And last but not least, uh, if I had done a show last week, it would have been all Jane's book night. Um, I had an idea of making a whole intro montage for him. I unfortunately think I could take him out now of, of the intro. Um, but this sucks. I mean, it does. This past February 8th, book night was waived by the Hornets. Their 2021 11th overall pick. In three seasons with Charlotte, 79 games, just 4.8 points per game, 36% from the field, and just 11.4 minutes. Of course, when you mention book night, you got to mention his off-the-court issues. Uh, back in 2022, three days before the Hornets season opener, he was found the police found him intoxicated and uncon- unconscious while holding a gun in his own vehicle, and he was arrested on a DWI in Charlotte. He was not cooperative with police. He was very confused. His alcohol content was 0.14. The legal limit is is 0.08. Also, he's had two separate speeding and reckless driving in- incidents. And of course, at UConn in 2019, he had another alcohol and, and car related issue. It's just disappointing. Uh, you know, he was Hurley's first guy, first lottery pick first guy to make it to the NBA and just anyone in general, anyone that goes, that goes to the pros, wherever they are, we want our, our players to succeed. And hopefully book Knight can bounce back in his limited minutes this season. He did play well. If you saw my tweets, I mean, he might play four minutes, but he would score five points. And I think this year, let me see this year he was hitting, he hit 43% from three. Now it's garbage time. It's not, it's not great, but, he shot 43% from three. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say confidently that he's going to play in the NBA again. I don't know that. He, as some of you know, as if you're listening, you probably know that he was on campus uh, this past week and some shots up at the Worth Center. But Dan Hurley mentioned he needs to go to an organization that has structure. And the Hornets have not had that structure for a very long time. It's, it is easy to blame the Hornets in, in a lot of ways, but a lot of it is on book night as well. I mean, this, this doing these things off the court, not responsible at all. And, um, but part of it too is when, when he did have that DWI a couple of years ago now, and this was three days before the season started, three days, and they did not discipline book night at all. And instead he did play, and in the first couple of games, first two plus games, he started the season over 11 from the field. Didn't score his first field goal until the third game of the season. And right around Thanksgiving, they sent him to the G League, and he was basically there for the rest of the year. I mean, he can't, he did he did come back up with a few games left of the regular season when the G League season was was over, and the Hornets obviously were not playoff contention, so they let all the guys play from the G League. Um, but and then some bad luck here This going into this past season. On October 11th, he underwent successful arthroscopic surgery. So he had coming off an ankle injury. That's just bad luck. And there were times where I would be watching highlights for the Hornets, and there was one where Brandon Miller had a block and a three-pointer in one sequence, and the whole bench is standing, standing up and cheering except for book night. Now, maybe and this this was right before he got waived. So maybe, I mean, he, I'm sure he knew the right on the wall, but just times. And that was the first, that was the the second time that when something big happened, some, just a basketball play, like the Hornets suck, right? But like just a basketball play, 
just gets you excited, right? We remember like some certain plays when UConn was not great in the AAC, but if a great dunk happened, if a block happened, you, you stand up, you rise, you get excited, you clap for it. That didn't happen for book, from book night um, in, in that instance. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he gets picked up by another NBA team. Again, I was hoping I, – I'm not confident that I – can't, I can't sit here and say, yeah, he's going to get picked up by a squad. He still is a bucket, but um, he potentially comes with a lot of baggage. And hopefully, you know, one day uh, he does get that chance. And, gosh, I mean, if, if he doesn't get it this offseason, then I'm, it's not going to come. Then he'll be, then he'll be overseas. But, um, Book, we certainly hope the best for you. And uh, we want to see you back in the pros in the NBA at some point soon. So hopefully you get back there uh, for a team in the near future. And to wrap up the show, a couple just uh, quick other things. Steph Dolson, she signed a multi-year deal with the Washington Mystics this past week. So that's, I believe that was one of the three or four teams that didn't have a Husky on a WNBA roster. So now you can add Dolson to the Mystics. And Steph, she was on the livery the last two years. Last season, she didn't, her her playing time really dwindled down, so it's not a surprise to see her move on from New York. And some baseball news to end the show. The San Francisco Giants and Reggie Crawford, they announced that Reggie is not going to be uh, doing the two-way thing anymore. He's not going to be the next Shohei Otani. He's going to be the next Reggie Crawford, and that's going to be hopefully a Cy Young-type pitcher. He's going to focus on just pitching. That's always been his thing, so it's not surprising that he's just going uh, full-time pitching. Last year, he did play some at, uh, towards the middle end of the season because he was recovering from Tommy John surgery. Um, but earlier earlier this week, or I guess last week now, um, Crawford mentioned that he is just going to be doing pitching. And I was reading the article there, and it says the Giants can only progress their top prospects pretty quickly. And uh, they, could, they could see him being in double A as soon as uh, uh, this year, early this year. I don't know what early means. I don't know if that means April. I don't know if that means May. But it just said early. Um, of course, being with the Giants, he's with the double A, uh, Richmond Flying Squirrels, and they don't play in Hartford this season. I maybe I had to double check that they they do play in Richmond, but they don't play in Hartford. So, if that does happen, if Reggie is with the double A team, I'll try and get that out there. But I don't think he played, or I don't think the Flying Squirrels play at the Argos this season, uh, which would kind of stink if he's on the roster, but we'll see. All right, folks, again, I uh, was not expecting to be doing this, but I'm really happy that I did. This episode um, was a good one. If you hope you liked it, if you did, please let me know. If you didn't, please let me know what I need to improve on. Have a great week. Go Huskies.